I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Utah Weekly Forum, a public affairs show dedicated to learning more about the issues affecting our lives and health and exploring the resources available in our diverse communities to help. Here's your host, Rebecca Cressman. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and today we're talking to Dr. Kristen Francis. She is an extraordinary uh, psychiatrist who works with children and adults at Huntsman Mental Health Institute. And in September, we really turned the focus, and we'll put it even shine a brighter light on suicide uh, prevention. And, and so this week and this month is, is uh, important to you. Is that right, Dr. Francis? Absolutely. It's a great message. We're back to school. We're starting up the year. Everyone's excited. Lots of energy. And it's a great time to be focused on health in general, including brain health, mental health. Let's talk about that because, you know, this is a time of optimism and hope. And, and yet in the midst of all of that, kids and adults, we're dealing with a lot of things and we may not know how to deal with our mental health when it really starts to spiral down. And uh, so let, let's identify that. You know, you talked about our brain health. So as we're talking about how healthy we are for this back to school, should we be also having conversations with our kids saying, how's your brain? How are you feeling? Yeah, I think it's always great to be asking your kids lots and lots of questions, right? Like, we're always checking in. How are you doing? How was school? How are your friends? It's a great time to be watching mood. I think backing up, it's even good to think about that there, you know, there are different reasons why people die by suicide. A lot of it, most of it, has to do with mental health conditions, so treatable conditions like depression, bipolar disorder, and there is also a group of people who die by suicide because of big life stressors or changes, um, kind of things that we didn't anticipate, and they feel like all is lost, they get a sudden sense of hopelessness, um, and they die by suicide as well. So it's not always that there is a, a smoldering depression or an untreated bipolar disorder. Sometimes it's these big life changes, and going back to school is a big life change, right? And new friendships, and, and a lot of kids go in with big expectations and can definitely have some big stressors. So it's great to start the conversation now. All right. And, and that is very illuminating. I, I appreciate that because that's not something that we foresee um, that no, a child or an adult or a teenager might encounter a situation. It might be a breakup. Uh, it might be a friendship group changes and they might, with their limited um, knowledge at that time, feel like they can't go on. So how do we broach that or how do we have those kind of conversations with the kids? Boy, I'm glad we're bringing this up because that is, you know, that is a really scary thing as a parent myself that I often think about is, you know, my child is is learning how to manage their feelings. Like I'm basically their coach 
right? And like, how do I coach them through these situations where they feel like their life is over when really I know it's not. They're they're young. They're going to have other you know opportunities, other loves, other you know uh, situations. But but they don't have that perspective um, that I do as a parent. So. It's a great time to start talking to kids about big feelings and how feelings are going to be there. They come and go. There's nothing bad or good about feelings. They just are. And a lot of the feelings we experience as a human tend towards the more negative variety. I think people expect that they're going to be positive, but if you look at the normal range of human expression, it's like disgust fear, you know, sadness, like those, there's a lot of negative emotions, right? And so teaching kids to let your feelings come and go and know that you don't have to make any big choices in the moment based on those feelings. Um, so I think those are great places to start talking to kids right now in general, um, especially when situations like bullying come up stressors, you know, maybe they didn't make the soccer team. Um, those are all things that are great opportunities as a parent to start planting the seeds for how they're going to get through future disappointments and even failures. Uh, it's so instructive. And, and, you know, my kids are now at the age where I'm almost done raising them. And uh, Dr. Francis, I wish I would have thought and known more about that because at the beginning of the school year, it is a big change. Summer's a lot of freedom, right? And and often more yeah. time at home and just kind of things are laid back. And then, you know, whoa, we've got deadlines and we've got to be organized. And I'm accountable to 18 you know, <laughs> teachers. If they're in junior high, they've got four locker combinations to remember. And, uh, you know, and, and I often tell friends that, you know, junior high seems to be this age where there's so much search for identity that kids are really hard on themselves and and hard on others. It's a a very intense time at that. But as we look at saying, okay, we need to organize our school day to make it less stressful for all of us. um, I'm wondering how, could you model that conversation for us in terms of um, uh, talking our children yeah. through how do they manage big emotions. In other words, saying, hey, yeah. during this year, you are going to have ups and downs. You might not be able to make uh, that golf team or the dance team. And and let's talk about how you're going to manage that. How, what does that conversation look like, Dr. Francis? Yeah, yeah, so great question. So I would normally start off with saying, like, hey, talk to me about your friends, because kids are always able to talk about their friends easierly than they are to talk about themselves. So tell me about your friends. What's a time that you noticed your friend being really crabby? Or is, was there a time that your friend didn't get on the, the team or get picked, at, you know, for the play? Give me some examples. And, and if they have a hard time, then, of course, go right to them. But usually they'll come up with a, a oh, yeah, I remember my friend, this happened and that happened. Okay, well, how did they feel? Well, they felt really bad and they felt really sad. Okay, how did they look? How did they act? And so asking a lot of description questions. So ask for them to remember a scenario that they went through or their friend went through. Um, Ask how their friend or them felt or thought um, and how they acted. And then ask, ask, like, what happened next? Well, they thought that they would never be able to be on the soccer team again. Well, did that happen? Well, no. Then, you know, they felt better after a couple of days and they realized that 
spring or maybe that wasn't even like a good soccer team for them or they decided to do this other sport instead okay wow it looks like that person you know your friend felt really bad they were really disappointed they felt really overwhelmed in the moment it seemed like nothing was going to get better but then it did get better isn't that interesting and so start that talk right there and say look have you ever had a time where that's happened and you know and how did you get through it what were ways that worked what were things that you could, you know, looking back, you wished you had done? Um, so those are all great conversations. Kids are very still concrete for the most part, meaning they need specifics. They don't do well with big ideas, kind of abstract thinking, future thinking even. They kind of need to go back to examples that have worked for them or other people or even like storybooks. I mean, this is where books are great because there's lots of characters that have faced hardships and gotten through them. And those mm. are a great place to start a dialogue. Ah, you know, especially with their love of, of you know, fairy tales and stories and yes. often those stories have some kind of yeah oh boy uh you know um all those you know heroes and heroines who face yes. these obstacles and they're not yes. easy right yeah and that's so, a great like harry potter moment like you know mm-hmm. harry potter gets real dark there for a while and that's and he like is kind of alone from his friends and feels like the burden is too big. I mean, that's some big stuff, right? That's a great example to draw upon. Right. It almost makes me think about getting a waterproof tattoo that looks like a lightning bolt and putting it on the inside <laughs> of the palm of a little one when they go to school. Remember, everything can be okay. For those who just joined us, we're talking to Dr. Kristen Francis with the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. And we're talking about um, preparing our children, preparing ourselves this uh, time of the year to prevent suicide, how to have those conversations with our children and empower them so that they can know. Uh, how to have the emotional resilience um, to move forward through these difficult times and how we can be uh, as a parent attuned and connected with them in conversation um, uh, throughout this. Uh, uh, it is Suicide Prevention Week and Suicide Prevention Month. And um, Dr. Francis, the statistics show that uh, suicide is the leading cause of death for children ages 10 to 17 in Utah. And, and that statistic is very, very sober. Mm-hmm. It is very sober. Typically, you know, the leading cause of death for children that age group, at least nationwide, is from accidents. And so, um, you know, suicide is the second in the nation cause of death for that age group. But in Utah, it's the first. So it's particularly important that we are talking about suicide prevention here in Utah now. Beginning of school year, you know, we're getting back on track. We're focused on the future, and we want to make sure that we're aware of all things, including kids getting overwhelmed, kids suffering. Um, And, you know, parents worry that talking to their kids about suicide will make kids think about suicide or, you know, even attempt suicide, and that's just not true. The studies are not consistent with that. There are different ways to talk to your kids about suicide prevention and awareness depending on their age group, Um, but you definitely are not going to suggest the idea to your child um, and, and cause them to do it by just asking about it. 
In fact, um, I was reading an article that was written by the University of Utah and connected, of course, with the Huntsman uh, Mental Health Institute and was saying that communication is the best prevention tool. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yep, just talking. You know, there's all those billboards around the valley right now that are like, how do you know that your spouse is suicidal? And they say, just ask. You know, how do they, you know that your colleague is struggling and thinking about suicide? Ask. You know, dialogue, communication, opening up the doorway for them to be able to talk about what's going on internally. Is it common for children, uh, whether they're, you know, we talked about the age group 10 through 17, um, but is it common for all children to have thoughts about ending their life? Definitely not common. No, it is not common. It is not, you know, what we would think of um, in terms of when we look at the the big population of kids. Now, Mm. as they get older, they have awareness. It is common to have an awareness of that. But most children are not having true thoughts of ending their life. Um, we do see it, though, and, it, you know, we definitely take action and it's a, a, an area of concern. But the majority of children do not think about seriously ending their life. If they do have a thought, it could be very fleeting. You know, sometimes they see things in the movies or they hear, oh, my gosh, I could just kill myself, you know, that, that kind of thing. But they're truly not thinking about ending their life. So if your child is expressing that thought or feeling, it's definitely something that you want to bring to a mental health professional's attention. All right. So that as they do share that with you, if you ask them and you talk about stressors and um, um, that is a signal to you as a parent uh, to reach out to a healthcare provider and and get a specialist. To help. Now, uh, let's talk for a minute about the kind of support programs Huntsman Mental Health has. Um, would we just pick up the phone and give you a call or talk to us about um, how you could provide support? You know, it sounds like that would be, you know, kind of absurd, right? But we actually do have that opportunity. You can just pick up the phone and call us at our crisis assessment center if you're unsure if your child needs support and ask for a free assessment. So we do, we offer free assessments 24-7 at our crisis receiving center, and those can be by appointment or by walk-in, and we assess children and adults. Um, We can also, uh, there are other opportunities like there is the the warm line, which is a line you can call if you just have questions and, and kind of need some support. There is a, a national suicide prevention hotline now um, that you can call, um, talk to someone 24-7, uh, staffed by mental health professionals. So you're going to get someone who really knows um, what they're talking about, how to support you. A lot of people think when they call a suicide hotline that, like, suddenly someone's going to show up on their door and, like, take them away and I just really want to clarify like that is not the case people this is still anonymous this is still confidential Um, they do you know will ask for your identifying information if it is something you decide that you need support Um, but you're not going to get hauled away so I just want to clarify that Um, but we also have like a a, you know so we have 24-7 assessment services we have phone services your children all have access to an app where they can text it's called the Safe UT Hotline. Um, there's an app. They can text uh, a licensed professional if they, if they need help. Um, you can also uh, 
you can also ask for an assessment through like the MCOT if you live in the Salt Lake area. So it's a mobile crisis response team that can come out to your home, help assess the situation and let you know if you need further support. Um, and then lastly, we, we offer a variety of programs at the at the Huntsman Mental Health Institute, including inpatient services. So if your child needs to briefly come into the hospital um, and be seen by a team of professionals every day, we have that. Uh, we also have a day treatment program, which is very useful for a lot of parents. It's kind of like school meets hospital, so they would go to the hospital just during the day and then come home after like in the evenings and at night and on weekends, they would be at home with you. Um, but it's a nice way to get good, intense treatment for like six weeks. Um, and then we offer a lot of outpatient services. That's kind of your standard, like go to a therapist, go to a psychiatrist uh, appointments as well. So we have a myriad of services that we offer. And it's very helpful. And, you know, I'll add this personal note. I have a very dear friend whose uh, child or, or mid-teenager um, needed to have some of that kind of daytime residential support. And as a parent, it gave su- her such peace to know, all right, during the daytime when my child is in crisis, he is getting the care and the caution and the tools and the therapy that he needs um, because it can feel quite overwhelming as a parent to go, how do I deal with this? And so, yes, it's wonderful to feel like you've got a team of supporters um, to help it, oh, yeah. to help a parent. Absolutely. It's so overwhelming as a parent. Let me just take a moment to validate like how hard it is to be a parent and what a different world, you know, kids are in now versus when we were younger. Like it's just different and it's scary and, and information travels much more quickly than it did when we were young and people, you know, just there's a lot of wonderful things about the way the world is now and it also is harder and more complex in some other ways and it can be hard to navigate right and i'm glad that you brought that up because our children are exposed to harder um, facts of information than they might have been uh, when we were kids or even the generation before and for those who just joined us we're talking to child adolescent and adult psychiatrist uh, dr Kristen francis from the huntsman mental health institute i'm rebecca Cresswin. we're talking about suicide prevention and um one of the things that will happen throughout this month is uh, children might overhear the term suicide because we do want to be communicating about the importance of talking openly about it, um, um, asking our loved ones if it's something that they're dealing with. Um, we want to go to community walks. There's the uh, community walk out of the darkness walk that is uh, coming up, and um, we want to be a part of it. So if your child hears that someone has uh, taken their life by suicide, do you have guidance on how we would explain that to a young child? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it really depends on what age you're talking about. And the University of Utah has a nice blog feed about different age groups and how to talk about suicide. Um, But from ages about 7 to 10, uh, we really want you to ask more questions than you do for even the other ages. So I always want you to ask questions, but particularly for 7 to 10, I don't want us to give them more information than, number one, they're ready for, or number two, than they really already know. So first I want you to ask, like, you know, what, what do you know? What did you hear? What is suicide? What does that mean? Why does a person complete suicide, do you think? And then it's an opportunity for you to kind of fill in the gaps 
um, and or kind of clarify, correct any misinformation. So there's gonna be a lot of misinformation at this age. They're not gonna really understand <clears throat> suicide necessarily. And I don't want you to get really graphic. This is not the time for details. We all kind of know how like our seven to 10 year olds like zone out a little bit. They want short, succinct answers. So I just want you to say something like, <clears throat> you know, James had a disease. It was called depression. They, you know, he had it for a lot of years. I wish he could have been able to get more help. Um, he died by suicide. And sometimes you don't even have to say what, you know, the method of suicide. Some young kids are gonna wanna know, like, what did that mean? Was it scary for them? You know, and again, answer those questions, but, but try to give as little graphic detail as possible. Okay. All right. So first find out what the child is aware of, what they know, and then give them accurate information that is as least graphic as possible and just make it simplified. They had a disease. Yep. Their, their brain was sick. They were not able to get the help that they needed. And then ask them, do you have any other questions? And, and leave that. And you're saying leave the graphic details behind because that's overwhelming for a child. Overwhelming for a child and children kind of get these ideas in their head and we can't really check and see if they're, you know, accurate or not. And it may be much more fantastical. Remember that kids live in a lot of imagination um, and a lot their thinking is just different than as an adult. And so it could be very scary for them, overwhelming. They might have these new thoughts then that they can't get out of their head if they hear the actual details. So it's good to keep it very limited and uh, just really only you know, give them the minimum details that they need to know, but be honest. You definitely want to be honest with them. When we began our interview, we have just about five minutes together uh, before we wrap up this uh, conversation, and I so appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. You indicated that um, suicide for children, and, and it could be for teenagers and for adults as well, it's not always connected to um, a, a mood disorder like uh, anxiety or depression. Sometimes it happens when something really big has occurred that makes them feel like this is too big for me to manage. I'm, I don't want to go on um, for a parent if we're concerned are, are, I mean are there things that we should be watching for behavioral differences um, if we're can you know to keep our kind of radar up in terms of what to watch for for our children that would signal um, that things might not be going well for them um, internally and emotionally and mentally do you mean different than the mood disorder symptoms yeah, like yeah. the the other population, yeah. So yes. that, that's a hard one to predict, right? So it's scary to us as a parent to think, oh no, like how do I prevent this really scary thing from happening to my child and, and to not have clear answers? But I'll try to give you as clear of answers as possible. So some kids are deeper feelers than others. All kids have big feelings. I mean, that's just normal, right? But some kids really, really struggle with intense emotions. They might be more impulsive. So do things and you're like, why on earth did you do that? I told you not to do that. You did it anyways. So big feelings, impulsive kids, um, and who are what we call reactive. So uh, a little thing can set them off or they have a bigger reaction to, to a, a 
trigger than we would expect. Those kids, I want us to watch a little bit more carefully and really help coach them early on for how to live through these strong feelings um, and not let them, you know, overcome that themselves with those feelings or make big choices out of those big feelings. In general, with with teenagers and young people, we use a type of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT. It's just a really good therapy on how not to let your strong feelings like ruin your life or even run your life and how to use your strong feelings, but then also your kind of, you know, thoughtful mind together to make a good decision in the moment. Mm -hmm. So in general, the kids that I want us to watch out for a little bit more are those big feelers, a bit more impulsive, a bit more reactive kids. I want them, I want us to start teaching them early on how to ride the wave of emotions, how to not let their feelings make them make big decisions in the moment. And it sounds like it's something not only we want our children to learn, but all of us adults, many of us need to continue to learn that well. Right? Life skills. It's always extraordinary to take a moment of time with Dr. Kristen Francis from Huntsman Mental Health Institute. I want to thank you for your dedication and your service to children and adults. And we appreciate that. Uh Suicide Prevention Month. Have those conversations. Have that time to connect and uh, communicate with your children. Um, Dr. Francis also mentioned there's some blogs on how to talk to your children about suicide on the University of Utah um, website. Search those out. That information is there. She also mentioned the Safe UT app. Safe UT app. You can, if you have a child with a smartphone, you can add that app. Let them know that this is where they can get confidential support um, on that Safe Utah app. And um, Dr. Francis, you also mentioned the Utah Crisis Line at Huntsman Hental uh, Huntsman Health Institute, and I want to share that. That's 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. And one more, a number you can text the word TALK to, that's T-A-L-K, to this number, 741-741. That's the word TALK to 741-741 Suicide Prevention Week and Month. Dr. Francis, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Yeah, thank you. Utah Weekly Forum is produced by KSFI FM 100.3 in Salt Lake City, a Bonneville International Station. Subscribe to the Utah Weekly Forum podcast online and email us at Rebecca at FM100.com. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com 
follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.